the podcast. Le podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join us again as we take a deeper dive into the COVID pandemic and how it has affected the lives of those that suffer with HIV. My name is Lexis, and I'm here with Joseph, AJ, and Misha. I hope you are all doing well, and I'm glad to be back here in the studio recording with you all again. It is certainly great to be back again, and I'm happy that our viewers are so interested in the relationship between COVID pandemic. In our last episode, we talked about Kentucky's phases for distributing the COVID vaccine, and I thought we should go a little more in depth on those phases and why certain people got to go before others, since that was a topic many of our viewers were concerned about. Like we said last episode, first there was phase 1A, which included healthcare personnel and vulnerable populations like long-term care residents and assisted living facilities. The people in this phase went first because they were either the most vulnerable or the most susceptible. Yeah, it was extremely important to get the healthcare personnel done as fast as possible as they were the ones taking care and providing treatment for those who had COVID. So it was essential to get them done first. That's true. And the second part of that phase, the long-term care residents and assisted living facilities were prioritized because they were the most susceptible to catching the virus. In the midst of the pandemic, many nursing homes were getting slammed all at once with COVID, which resulted in the workers not being able to care for the residents, even though the residents could not care for themselves. Just a bad situation in general. I remember reading an article months ago about a janitor that had to step up and take care of the entire nursing home alone since the rest of the workers caught the virus. Wow, that was a def- that was definitely a noble thing for him to do. Moving on to the next phase, 1B, which was first responders and K-12 personnel, as well as the 70 and older population. This group went next because they were important to maintaining order or, again, were the most susceptible. Exactly. We we all know our first responders are essential workers and and had to keep working during the pandemic. So it was important to get them vaccinated. The 70 and older population were most susceptible to the virus. So getting them vaccinated was important to keeping them alive. The next phase was the one that many of you had concerns about, and I myself had concerns about too, which was phase 1C. Essential workers like grocery store workers, public transit workers, and service providers. Many of you thought this group should have been higher on the list as they were working through the entire pandemic and were main sources in how the virus spread. Yeah, this group was definitely important, and we all had to go to the grocery store still during the pandemic. So it was a major source of viral spread. What we can say is that we went through the phases that fast. So although these essential workers weren't at the top of the list, we got to them in a timely manner.
So while AJ was talking about phase 1A, which included healthcare workers and long-term care residents, a question came into my mind. What should health professional, healthcare professionals do if they develop a fever after getting vaccinated? Well, healthcare workers who experience a fever after vaccination should ideally stay home from work planning for evaluation, including consideration for COVID-19 testing. If an infection such as COVID-19 is not thought to be the cause of the fever, they may return to work based on the facility policy. The CDC has released a, uh, a guidance which include suggested appro approaches to evaluating and man managing post-vaccination symptoms, including fever. Healthcare professionals should also work with their facility administrator to report possible side effects called adverse events to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS. In addition, CP are encouraged to enroll in vSafe. This is a smart tool, a smartphone tool that you can use to tell the CDC if you have any side effects after getting the COVID-19 vaccine. If you report serious side effects, someone from the CDC will call to follow up. So how long should healthcare professionals and residents be monitored for side effects after receiving the vaccine? Symptoms such as fever, fatigue, headache, chills, muscle aches, and joint pain can occur following the COVID-19 vaccination. Preliminary data external icons from COVID-19 vaccine trials suggest that most post-vaccination symptoms are mild to moderate in severity. Yeah, most symptoms occur within the first three days of vaccination, the day of the vaccination, and then the following two days, and most of the symptoms occur the day after the vaccination. Symptoms timing typically resolve within one to two days of onset, more frequent and severe following the second dose, and finally more frequent and severe in younger population compared to, the, to those that are older. So will residents still need to wear masks and will healthcare professionals still need to wear personal protective equipment in the facility after receiving COVID-19 vaccinations? Yes, COVID-19 vaccinations will be an important tool to help stop the pandemic. However, even after vaccination, everyone should continue to follow all the current guidance to protect themselves and others. This includes wearing a mask, staying at least six feet away from others, avoiding crowds, following facility guidance on visitation and infection control, and cleaning hands often. So last, well, I guess, by the way, have any of you taken the vaccine yet or plan to get the COVID, COVID vaccine? Not yet, but I plan to take it over the summer as I will have more free time. I haven't yet, but I plan to get it with my National Guard unit in June. I have already. And I personally got the Pfizer vaccine, and I I felt every bit of it after I got the vaccine. Right. Um, do any of y'all have plans for this summer with COVID? Yeah, I actually <laughs> work in a grocery store, and... Um, we are actually stepping uh, back up with some of our COVID regulations because a lot of our customers haven't been wearing masks. 
So we're actually ramping that back up. So I'll be working in the grocery store. Okay. Uh, what about you, Misha? Um, in June, I have to go to Iowa for two weeks with my National Guard unit. And, um, of course, we're staying in barracks, which are, like, close quarters. So we all have to get vaccinated so that it's not just, like, a big COVID pool in there. Okay. Joseph, any plans this summer? Uh, I think I'll go to Texas because I have a I have a wedding. So that's all I would that's all I would do. So do people have to be tested before they go to the wedding or I don't think so. It's a, it's a family thing, so I guess people in in the wedding will probably be vaccinated or something like that. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you, Professor Falcons, for the quality course again. And yeah.